And we're back at the madness. Here's Mormon <laughs> talk again. Uh, these guys just won't stop. They keep talking about Mormon shit. It must be Mormon talk. Today's episode, Cracker Jack Surprise. We'll explain that one in a minute. But you know how it goes, Dave. First, we need to talk about the LDS Church in, in the, the news. news. Yes. So this title from the Standard Examiner. New required child protection training announced by the LDS Church. New. Yes. And, and I guess, are they calling this a revelation or do they even dare nowadays? Because it's obviously a reaction, yeah. not a revelation. Uh, but of course, you know, God can wait till people complain and then choose to that time to give a revelation, right? All you got to do is look at the word of wisdom. Emma was, it was that Emma, right? That was complaining about all the tobacco stains on the floor. That's correct. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, go pray to God. Something's got to change. <laughs> Like you couldn't just make that change yourself and say, hey, guys, sp- either aim at the spittoon or or stop chewing tobacco. You know, anyway. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the word of wisdom comes about and they completely ignore the verses about drinking beer is OK and, you know, whatever. That's fine. Well, we're getting off the point here. Um, notice how I use the the royal form of the of the word we. <laughs> I pull you right in, in under the bus Thanks. with me. Yeah, yeah. That was my because you're you're reading my my wavelengths, man. My frequency. Yeah, that's what, that's what bishops do when they interview you. They that's they right. Whether yes. you're lying or not, you know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That, that's the thing. You've whether got to you're get. yeah, whether you're available or not, whether you're young enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so child protection training. So mm. here, here's a subject kind of like with the young kids where you teach them a, about masturbation and they hadn't even thought of it yet. Mm. Now, now you're teaching some of these leaders about something that maybe hadn't even been on their mind or, but it, it's forced again, their hand is being forced it pressure, is. pressure from the outside. Yeah. Yeah, and from, from people like Sam Young, uh, especially, he's been making a lot of noise. He's been marching uh, in his effort to uh, protect, the, protect the children, I think is it's called, um, mm-hmm. outside the church office building, etc. So a couple excerpts. In an effort to protect children and youth more directly and effectively, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints announced Friday... The launch of an online training course, because we all know those are really effective, because you can ask questions right there and get answers from a live person, required for all adults who interact with children and youth in church assignments. Quote, the training, which is initially being launched in North America with other areas to follow, is to be done as new leaders receive assignments to serve children and youth, a church press release said. The church does not tolerate abuse of any kind, according to the release. Yeah, we just NDA it. We get that shit hidden. We don't tolerate it. Uh, Each leader will log in with his or her church account. uh, So completion of the training can be recorded because that's not uh, fudgeable. You can't pretend or squeak by that. Uh, Local leaders are notified if the training is not completed. 
Uh, oh, the training can be accessed at protectingchildren.churchofjesuschrist.org. They ripped Sam Young off. Protecting mm. children. Ooh. So now they're personal. Pretending to be on mm. his side. Yeah, you know, I guess so. The- yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're with you, Sam. Yeah, we want this too. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We take Jesus Christ's teachings about children and youth very seriously, said Sister Joy D. Jones. Yeah, now now you do, I guess, all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> and just like Jesus, you know, there's a lot of these bishops that want the children to come sit on their knee. Um, that was pretty low, I know. Sorry about that. Uh <laughs> Uh, let's see, high counselors, secretaries, teachers, bishops, whatever, leaders, um, yeah, parents have the primary responsibility to teach and nurture their children, we just expect them to present their young children behind a closed door to a bishop so he can abuse them, oh, whoa, that was not supposed to be in the article, sorry, that just came out of nowhere, um, I'm being a little stupid and silly and facetious now. Um, so here's the thing, guys. Too little, too late. And uh, what you're doing, if you've got a pedophile in the role of a bishop, for example, or in the role of a, of a young men's leader or something like this, and you say, hey, Joe Blow, go take this training, that's going to suddenly make them not a pedophile, right? <laughs> um, yeah. It may help them to get get around what uh, the kinds of things that other church leaders would be looking for. Now they know mm-hmm. the way that they should be behaving. Let's put it that way, and how the way things look again becomes imp- more important than the way things really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they're reiterating this whole bit about if a youth desires, he or she may invite a parent or another adult to be present when meeting with the bishop or one of his counselors. And we've talked about that nonsense before, right? There, there's no yeah. leaving it up to the to the minor to decide if they want another adult in the room. Most minors are going to say no because they're nervous anyway. They don't want another adult yeah. there, especially their parent. If they're expected to talk about areas where they're sinning or or need to work on with the bishop, they don't want their parent there. Guys, this needs to be mandatory. And what would even be better, we've talked about people who have suggested, who are professional counselors, let's just stop this whole idea of fucking worthiness interviews anyway, right? Questioning your own self-worth. That's just We're bullshit. Not exactly. Bill and Ted. Yeah. Bill and no, Ted. <laughs> was it Bill? No, Bill and Ted. No, no, no that was. Uh, uh, oh shit! What's his name? Damn it! Ah, um, oh, damn it! Whatever. They were on to something. Yeah, though, weren't they, they were. They, yeah. They must have been <laughs> Mormon kids when they were younger. All right. So that's that's enough on the new required child protection because you know God has never required protecting his children before. So that's very timely. Um, so back to Cracker Jack Surprise, Dave. What are we talking about with this whole thing? What's I don't know. Some of our audience, well, if they're young enough, may not even know what Cracker Jacks are. <laughs> that's where I, w- I was going to explain. Cracker Jacks are caramel, caramel corn 
mixed with peanuts in a, in a little box, a, a unique shaped box. Uh, when we were kids, it was about what, four ounces, six ounces. Uh, and the fun part, the part you look forward to almost more than the Cracker Jacks was there was a fun little surprise inside each mm-hmm. box and it could be some kind of toy or mm-hmm. whatever. And that was, that's a lot of fun. So when you join the Cracker Jacks church, <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> and you're digging through all those nuts. <laughs> are we talking about, are we talking about the bishops again? What, what's going on? Oh, oh. what's going oh. on? You're going to come up with some surprises. The The difference is you didn't know it was going to be there. And these kind of surprises don't instill joy. <laughs> they, quite frankly, might scare the shit yes, out of you. they might instill horror <laughs> or disgust or confusion or, or whatever. Confusion. Yeah. Once you yeah. get past that yummy caramel corn, you discover this little package and that package could be different for each person, depending on what you discover. This is especially mm-hmm. true for converts, I think. Although I would say, even as a kid who grew up in the church, you'd probably agree with this, Dave. I mean, even if you're not a convert, so to speak, when you you later discover the church in your adulthood, for example, I still, you know, being raised in the church, it wasn't until I was probably in my at least early teens I guess if I think back when I started hearing some weird shit, like you start discovering things and you're like, what we, we believe what? So, uh, yeah, this is kind of that thing. Well, and, and you're being told, uh, uh, to go back to the sacred or secret thing, you're being told these things are sacred. You're also being told that you're, that we feed our members bread first and meat later. And so, we're out of love for for a uh, investigator, a new convert, a full you know full lifelong member, whatever. We're going to continue to just give you a little bit here, and and they make it exciting. Like you know, if you if you jump through these hoops, then you get to know about this mm. and that, and and only we have it. Mm-hmm. So hang on, hang on, pay your tithing, keep coming. Do your callings, do all that, because the little surprise at the end is going to be worth it. <laughs> uh, well, it's like anyway. a really big box of Cracker Jacks with a bunch of surprises. <laughs> it's yeah, bunch it's not stuff. just that one little paper pocket thing with a surprise toy in it. It's, oh, here's another one. Oh, I dug a little deeper, and here's another one. Um, so yeah. let's, uh, let's hit the biggest one. First, why not? Well, maybe I shouldn't say that because, like you said, it's different for everybody. But one of the dilemmas the church has, as you're uh, being taught as an investigator, let's say, or even just growing up in the church, you're being told when you can first talk about this temple. I love to see the temple. Or um, you just put, I love to see the temple to the tune of, I, um, I want to be a missionary. I want to be a mis- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to do both. <laughs> oh, by the way, they both get kicked off at the same time. You can't go on a mission until you go through yes. the temple. So uh, I, a real quick story. I was teaching 
as a missionary um, and we working with this gal and she finally said the magic words, yes, you can dunk me in that font of water. And we're elated and we get all giddy and silly and I got extra silly. And I myself had not been to the temple yet. Uh, I had a unique situation where I was on what's called a mini mission with a full time companion who had been to the temple, had been ordained an elder. I had not. And so uh, I said, so here's here's the uh, procedure, you know, we'll set up the date for your baptism. And and then a year later. You get to start wearing the funny underwear. <laughs> My companion about shit himself. <laughs> he, he looked at me like, "Oh my god, I'm surprised you didn't get strike, you know, struck oh dead." Oh my god, lightning yeah. or something. But, so yeah, I had to backpedal out of that real quick. Or try, well, anyway, so the the conundrum here the, is that. It's secret, so we can't really tell you very much about it. Whether you're a convert, lifelong member, you go through the hoops, you finally get to the place where you pass the temple recommend interview, your first one, and now you can go to the temple. So they can't really tell you anything about it. Again, this is not only secret before you go, it's definitely secret after you Mm -hmm. go. You don't talk about it. So there's no way to ease you into this crazy Masonic ritualistic shit that you, the average person just doesn't have any idea what they're about to see and and become involved in. And uh, it's blown a couple people right out of the water. They they said, you know, I don't know what this is, but I don't want any part of it. That's true. Yeah. There's, I've read a couple stories about people who uh, new converts, you know, joined when they were adults been in the church for usually they want you to be active for about a year before they start, you know, getting you ready for the temple. Um, they have a temple prep class to Dave's point, And it's, uh, but, but, you know, also, as you said, Dave, it's not very revealing because not you're told that these things are, are secret, you know, and well, they're, they're not secret. They're sacred. Well, you're only saying that now because there's the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as as I think I think about those classes, it's an extension of the church's power mm-hmm. to persuade you to be willing to turn your life over, not necessarily to God, but to this church. Yes. And and you've got to have the mindset: I'm ready to die. Oh yeah, maybe. You well, know, and then for this, religion. that's right. And and we don't yeah. want to go too far into it just because they don't do it anymore, I guess. Uh, but it is worth mentioning that this temple ceremony thing has changed multiple times through the decades of the church's history, because we all know God changes his mind, right? All the time. And this sacred of sacred ordinances that comes straight from God as the official thing you're supposed to do to kind of know how to return to him. uh, That's going to change, right? Because he changes his mind. Um, But anyway, the point is, up until, well, go ahead. No, I just say up until 91, there were penalties as part of the ceremony. Now penalties, if you look at, so look up, uh, Freemasonry illustrated 
copyright has long since expired. This was written around Joseph's time period. A former Mason wrote a book with pictures and everything of the handshakes and the 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 promises, you know, the covenants you make, etc. in Freemasonry rituals. And part of Freemasonry was these penalties. Um, and, you know, way back in the day, the presumption is that they were actually serious. Uh, and then over some time, they became more meta- metaphorical as far as you wouldn't actually have your bowels spilt out by a fellow Mason if you revealed, you know, secrets or whatever. I mean, over time, they I think they, they went that way and they became more metaphorical. But anyway, the point is, as part of the LDS ceremony, you had that Freemason element in there and uh, the penalties and, and how they how Joseph switched that with with Mormonism is he basically the penalties were around revealing anything about the temple ceremony, revealing especially what they call the, the signs and tokens of the priesthood including the handshakes and the signs you would make with your hands and the, the verbal cue that represented that, that token or sign. If you revealed any of that kind of thing, you would essentially be gruesomely killed was the, the point of the penalties. And so it scared people into secrecy. Uh, and this existed, guys. I went through and saw it because I actually went through the temple early before I went on my mission and I, they only terminated those in like 91-ish. Um, so, yeah, I participated in it. And, um, you know, you, you'd say, hey, I won't reveal this. Otherwise, my throat be slit or otherwise my, my midsection be cut open and my bowels spilled out on the ground. I mean, there's all these gruesome, <laughs> gruesome uh, ways of dying if you were to reveal anything about the, the temple ceremony. So in 1989, uh, being a, like, I don't know, mega Mormon or whatever the hell I thought I was, I'd just gotten married the year before, and I thought, you know, I'm going to become a temple worker. And so the first position that you can hold is a veil worker. And the temple represents you passing, uh, gaining knowledge. That knowledge allows you to pass through the veil into God's presence. That's the simplistic version of it. I was working in the temple in 91, or was it 90? It doesn't matter. And uh, working with a lot of elderly men, some who had been working in the temple 20, 30, 40 years. Wow. And we were called into a special meeting and they said, look, there's going to be some changes. We want you to anticipate this and and they didn't, they didn't even tell us what the changes were. They just said, we're going to go through a session and you'll find oh, out. Nice. <laughs> Same way you do it at your first <laughs> session. So, and, and we're sitting in the prayer room and you do that between sessions after you've done, taken a session through, you sit in the prayer room and read. And I, I was looking around the room and I could see the looks on some of these men's faces it was like, what the fuck? What was that? Yeah. So when you're talking about God changing his mind, I thought one of the things we're going to bring up here in a minute is eternal progression. So God was just progressing, but that's not what the church teaches. He's unchangeable. Never. He's not learning anymore, which kind of sounds shitty to me, by yeah. the way. 
to get that. My whole goal is to get to this place where I'm, I'm not learning. I know anymore. everything, but let's <laughs> real quick, let's, let's back off uh, and, and go back to maybe, well, the only way you can think about it is your own personal experience. But as a, as a new uh, member of one year or a member that's now, you know, been uh, deemed worthy to go through the temple, maybe you're going on a mission, you're going to get married, you walk in, the first thing you notice is that you're uh, segregated by yep. sex. The women are on one side, the men are on the other. So right there, you're like, right off. Th- this is weird. And you've got this packet of clothes in your hand. You're like, God, I wonder what this is for. And you, you go in and you go, you stand up, you sit down, which is like Catholicism. And you 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 learn something, then you... Uh, as Michael stated, you vow upon pain of death that you will never reveal it. Then you learn the next mm-hmm. thing. And then you watch a video about the creation of the earth and the fall of man and how the Savior's going to come and bring us all back, but only with all this extra knowledge. So then you portray that at the mm-hmm. veil, that it, God himself or Jesus is at the veil, and you give him the special keywords. Uh, signs and tokens and so forth, and you're allowed into the veil, uh, into heaven, the other side of the veil, which is really interesting to me because th- this is the climax, if you will, of Mormonism, and you are let into a very ornate, beautiful room mm-hmm. in most mm-hmm. temples. But then, but then, what do you do? And that was always stark to me. Okay, this is it, or this is the enactment reenactment of mm-hmm. what you know uh or not reenactment but you know this is portraying what is going to happen so when i get into heaven i'm gonna uh <laughs> stand sit. around sit in really expensive chairs <laughs> and <laughs> look up at a nice chandelier sit around in silence yeah. and count the, the ceiling tiles yeah that's that's yeah, what you're so gonna that, do but- yeah. yeah. And, and it's, Do you want to elaborate no, on it's funny. Or? It's funny, I mean, man, because it is weird. And look, for those who haven't seen it or haven't been through the temple and would like to new name, Noah, uh, one of our favorites, uh, has been posting temple, actual temple videos where he went through with a hidden camera and you can see those on YouTube. So these have been out for a while. And you can actually see the temple ceremonies and see what we're talking about. Uh, And the script for the temple ceremony has been online for a long time, as long as online has been around um, uh, from folks like the Tanners, et cetera. So anyway, whatever, it's not secret. It's far from secret anymore. It's very similar to the Mason uh, Freemasonry ritual. Um, There's some, there's some nuances to it that are different that were introduced by a different religious uh, influence or a different, not religious really, more of a, what do you call it? Mystery school. Mystery. Well, mysteries. I always, I'm going to forget the name of this, David. What's that other? Eleusinian. Yes. There's some Eleusinian elements to the uh, Freemasonry, (laughs) uh, combined with Freemasonry to create the the Mormon uh, temple ceremony. Anyway, yeah, you're in the, the celestial room and it's everybody's supposed to be quiet. If you must communicate is the phrase, then whisper. you need to whisper if you must communicate. Otherwise, don't communicate. You may wake God up. He's taking a nap after that <laughs> long <Yeah>. session. <laughs> Daddy's taking, Daddy's taking a nap. 
Um, so, uh, so you're in this quiet room. It's very ornately decorated, like Dave was saying, you know, uh, Renaissance style kind of colonial, whatever furniture and, and chandeliers and shh, you know, and you're like, damn, if this is heaven, <laughs> it's kind of boring. Um, I now, mean, it can be peaceful. You're still, at, you're still in the temple at yep. that point. And, and so that's the, oh, well, yeah, the one place you can speak about the endowment. Mm-hmm. Once you walk out the front door, that's it. Your lips are sealed. So I, on many occasions, uh, especially when I was in the bishopric, would have uh, sisters. It was never the brethren. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting right there. Would come up to me. What's the purpose of the veil over the sisters' faces? What is this about? Why is this? It, it's confusing. Bottom line, it's confusing. What does this have to do with the Jesus of the New Testament? Mm, nothing. What the hell is going yeah. on here? So, yeah, it's confusing, but it's supposed to be the the ultimate reward for being a faithful member. Yeah, so you learn you learn it. how to to talk your way past the guardian angels, the sentinels as it mm. were, who are guarding the entrance to heaven because we wouldn't want people to sneak past and sneak into the kingdom without God's knowledge. <laughs> Anyway, whatever. It, you, it's just can you see that he's, he's sitting there on his throne, and here comes this guy's kind of sneaking around behind the clouds, I guess. And and he and he goes, "Hey, who's that? Come here, come here, young man. What the hell are you doing you, up here? You, Wait, no, he's got bouncers that like get him out, and then he has he to put him back. Now get back in line. If you don't know the answers to these temple questions, you can't come in. It's just silly, people, and it has nothing to do. Anyway, we could go on and on and on. This is one of the main, like you said, Dave, one of the main, if not the main, Cracker Jack surprises yeah. uh, for members in the church where, again, if you were allowed to be told more, at least you might be a little more prepared. Uh, if you're if you're brave, you could go do internet research, but watch out because there's all those antis out there. Um, but you could find out. Okay, so yeah. at, as you uh, again, everyone's story is different, but I keep going back to the idea of this uh, a person who's a convert. Um, but it's not necessarily the case. A lifetime member can also have the same experiences. Um, you're reading the scriptures. And you, you look down in the footnotes, uh, you're in the Old Testament and or New Testament, and you, you see in the footnotes where it'll, it'll, it'll send you to a, a different scripture that's related to the one you're reading. And then you'll see this JST. Mm-hmm. What the hell? What is, what is that? Well, it's the Joseph Smith translation, translation. I don't remember ever teaching that as a missionary. To the uh, potential Mm-mm. convert, no, we, we might no. have, but I don't, I don't remember because it. it was just—it's just too much. It's like this guy is just got his own set of scripture, and we don't want to come across that way. So what we say almost nothing about the pearl of great mm-hmm. price, 
and and we went over Aberspam last <laughs> week. Some of the craziest shit in the whole church, uh, its doctrine is in the Book of mm-hmm. Abraham. It's some some crazy stuff. But with the JST, Smith has expounded, if you will, in some cases, just changed words within a verse. But he's added entire sections of scripture, which fit the doctrines he's currently teaching at that time in church history. How convenient. Mostly the Bible, right? <laughs> that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're talking about yeah, JST. So uh, becoming familiar with the Book of Mormon is a huge leap right off the bat. So they're not going to try to tell you about the Doctrine and Covenants mm-hmm. that much right off. And, and then again, the J, JST or the... Uh, Pearl of Great Price. It's like, I got to ease them into this. If they unloaded all of that up front, I don't think anybody would join. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. I mean, uh, not only is it too much content wise, I think, and you start losing people, um, but it's also too much, I guess, maybe suspension of disbelief. I mean, it's one thing to believe that this guy saw God and Jesus, or maybe he just saw the Lord, or did he just see angels? I, I gotta, okay. I gotta track down the proper first vision story. Anyway, uh, anyway, I like, anyway, I like the, seventh the seventh one. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Um, so yeah, either so that happened. He saw something. He he found a mushroom in the forest and inhaled it, and then something happened. Anyway. Um, and then but the Book of Mormon, the whole Book of Mormon thing, right? But then, yeah, like, oh, by the way, he also retranslated portions of the Bible because there's a bunch of mistakes in there. Okay, well, I have no problem believing there's mistakes, and we could talk about the whole Bible concept another time, but, um, but, but you're, yeah, that's who cares, right? Book of Mormon's the most the important thing- anyway, so. The things that he adds, I'll reiterate this, validate the kinds of doctrines that he's introducing as he goes along in his wild-ass imagination Mm -hmm. and comes up with these ideas. Now he can say, look, see, that's in the book of Moses, the way it was supposed to have been written, which is the the first Genesis, Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter one, essentially what, you know, the book of Moses is a rewriting of the the beginning of Genesis up to the flood, and then it just drops off the face of the earth, right? Mid verse mm-hmm. almost, which is kind of interesting. And so you're, you're able to justify and validate uh, this crazy new shit, this new doctrine, which is supposed to make people happy. Like, Oh man, I always was confused about that. Thanks for the care clarification. And I'm glad I'm part of this church that has the fullness. <laughs> Even though none of the scriptures talk about the crazy, wacky temple shit, but that's, that's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking specifically, uh, I don't want to go back into, you know, the Aberspam too much, but some of the words that he came up with, uh, he listed descriptions of what were on the facsimiles, what was going on, but also just in the running text of the book of Abraham is some of the wackiest Mm -hmm. shit. And it's, it it doesn't conform to any, any known language, let alone Egyptian. 
not not even closely it's like it's like taking a bowl of alphabet soup and just throwing it on the floor and hey look cliphloesis <laughs> what? what oh that's the power of the sun oh, one of my oh, favorite shit, one of my yeah. favorite is coco beam which is yeah, coca beam and and beam. star and it sounds like yeah. coco crispies it sounds like uh <laughs> one of my favorite well, you gotta get- <laughs> in there so you can get ready for yeah kolob. that's right kolob is a whole nother thing you're right speaking to abraham uh you know it goes through the entire structure of the universe talks about where god himself lives lots of people including mormons themselves and i, I this would kind of frustrate me when i was active back in the day get all that shit wrong right and they say god lives on kolob which is not no. true, uh, according to Abraham, right? It's uh, God lives on a planet that rotates around Kolob. Kolob is yeah. God's star, just like our star. Yes, nigh unto so Kolob, Col- not on Kolob. Get it right, guys. Get your fairy tale right. Uh, get your own, <laughs> own made up shit right. Oh, wow. Anyway, nobody so, lives on Kolob. It's a star. Come on, wait a minute. At whatever, at whatever point you're first introduced to this, you can have two reactions. Uh, well, more than that, but I mean, two I can think of is like, oh, that's kind of cool, man. This guy, man, I never heard of this. That that's kind of actually proves that it's true, all this cool shit. Or probably more commonly, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, more of the what the hell. So, Speaking of people living on the sun, uh, you start uncovering some weird <laughs> shit, uh, especially from Brigham Young. Brigham. Oh, my goodness. And speaking of mushrooms, I, I don't know what was going on at the time. Uh, maybe he ran into some some friendly Native Americans who let him borrow some peyote. But... Uh, yeah, it uh, wasn't that that came from Brigham, right? I know Joseph said some whack yeah. shit too, but I'm pretty sure it was Brigham who said people lived on the sun. Yeah, um, correct. And you yeah. for a reference on that, and this is voluminous, but the Journal of Discourses, oh, which yes. we again was on our list of books the church does not want you to read mm-hmm. because of that very fact. Some of this Adam God theory. Should we hit the blood that? atonement? I mean, um, the uh, oh, he also said people live in the moon. Oh, yeah, people live on the moon, they, they, they live on the sun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. that wow. and the whole the whole Negroes are cursed, you know, language which we've talked about. Um, if you're if uh, interracial marriage produces a child, it's better the child just be drowned. Um, all sorts of fun stuff from Brigham Young. Of course, you're not going to hear about any of that from the missionaries or members. Most members don't even know a lot of the the length of the crappiness or weirdness anyway, or the depth of it. Um, So yeah, as a convert, if you're coming in, you've been in the church, and then you hear somebody mention this or somebody uh, references it as a side note in a in a uh, gospel class, you know, or something, and you're like, wait a minute, Brigham Young said what? And it becomes this little crackerjack surprise. <laughs> so, as a source for some of these crazy surprises, these teachings of uh, specifically the early brethren, uh, it seemed like the further back 
they were the crazier the shit was joseph being number one brigham two you know and then wilford and and orson pratt is another one that and he had a, a brilliant mind he was a scientist and he said some really scientifically speaking some, some brilliant things but also just off the wall so uh, the journal of discourses would be the source for a lot of that material and of course this is included on our list of books the church does not want you to read right <laughs> right right and it, what remind me now so one of the Cracker Jacks is, or Cracker Jack surprises, is um, this whole concept that you're going to get your own planet, and you're going to be a god uh, like like God is now, and you're going to be able to create planets into the future and have your own galaxy or something. And I mean, this is this is one thing that the, uh, the church gets made fun of a lot by by you know dissidents or or people who don't agree other religions you know etc who came up with that to be to begin with i mean i is that just hearsay or or was that something that was actually taught by brigham or joseph or it was taught by joseph uh the main source is the king fallet discourse right okay he yep. says something to the effect I will show you the mind of God. I will pull back the veil and show you from the very beginning what's been going on. And then he uh, releases the famous statement as, you know, as as, ga- as God is man. Can no, become. no, no. As man is, God once was. Right. As God is, man may, man become. may become. Right. So right. Th- this is heresy to Orthodox uh, Christianity, pure oh, heresy, and one of the one of the key teachings that brought about Joseph's death and all the persecution against the church, the polygamy, r- right up at the top, fighting against the government, and then this teaching. It's called eternal progression. When you're taught the gospel, <laughs> Mormonism. As a uh, investigator, you're taught what's called the plan of salvation, mm-hmm. and this includes a pre-mortal life. And for a lot of people, that's an, uh, an entirely new idea. Basically, Christianity says you you're born, uh, you have an opportunity to accept Christ because you're born in sin, you're doomed basically from day one, and Christ came to save you. You should love him eternally for that and stay active in, in preaching the message of accepting Christ, you know, in a nutshell. That's that's basically it. Well, Mormonism, you get to learn about a pre-mortal life in which you were progressing before you even mm-hmm. got here. You were learning and growing, and then when it was deemed you were ready, you were sent to a mortal probation. This life is called a probation that sounds really cool doesn't it yeah, uh, prison <laughs> yeah 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 and you get to be a member of a ward like a, <laughs> prison, a prison ward prison what the so yeah. and then it goes on of course you know uh we expand on the heaven and hell thing you get the various degrees of glory before you're assigned to one of those when you pass you spend a little time in the spirit world and that's where somebody determines where you get to end up in one of these degrees of glory and you have to go through the temple and be married and all these other requirements to get to the highest. 
And even in the, the highest, celestial. yeah, the celestial, even in the highest, there's three degrees of glory. Mm-hmm. So it gets more and more complicated. It gets more and more like a network uh, marketing scheme. So <laughs> in the, yeah, in the church is referred to eternal progression, except that it stops. <laughs> it stops at Godhood and then you just ha- hang out. I guess. Then you know everything. Yeah. And it's all a matter of just having spirit kids and creating worlds forever. Creating world. Fun stuff. Um, yeah. So, and counting ceiling tiles because there's, there's an eternal amount of ceiling tiles to count. Um, yeah. So, and I guess lay Christianity after death, my understanding from most of the different sects is there's this general kind of concept of, you're not really maybe a full-blown angel, but but you're you're kind of if you did well, right? You accepted Jesus, um, you kind of you get to be in heaven with him, and you're kind of like an angel. I mean, you praise Jesus, you know, uh, all the time in heaven, and you you uh, you fly around with your wings or whatever their their concept is. Um, but you, there's zero concept about necessarily still being in a family unit still having this idea of, of being connected, you know, as husband and wife or to your kids or whatever. I think most Christians believe if they accepted Jesus too, they'll be there with you. Of course you can associate with them. Um, Hey dude, you know, it's good to, you were my son on earth. Now we're just hanging out together here, which makes sense, I guess, if you believe that. And then, um, but that's it, right? You don't like progress in heaven and be like, um, you know, anything like God, I mean, you're not going to be creating or doing any shit like that. So again, King Follette was a, a guy's name. He wasn't a king. That was his name. He got crushed in the bottom of a well by a tub mm-hmm. of rocks. So uh, he had the privilege of having the prophet speak at his funeral. And during that funeral, the prophet talked about that whole progression idea man was you know can become god god was once a man which uh heresy that's such blasphemy yeah to to most christianity uh but you know think think about that i mean he's kind of trying to address what you were just talking about what's the goal here i mean as just an orthodox christian if i can't you know keep going, if you will, eternally progressing, what the hell is this really all about? And so one element of this is the fact that it's always something that's going to happen later. It's always in the future. There's no emphasis whatsoever on having a joyful, happy, peaceful life right now, right here, right now. It's always about what's going to happen Other than a lot of sex with a bunch of wives. Right. Um, You got your you got your harem going on. Uh, Well, you've got Section 132 is still included in the Doctrine and Covenants, which endorses uh, Mm -hmm. polygamy. So that means God has multiple wives, which means that's the way it is. Whatever. That's 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 it. That's That's the the true order of the highest heaven. Right. Is one man, a bunch of wives. Tons of kids, um, and you know, sex to the man's d- length of his desire, 
right? And and all these women are just subservient to the man, basically. That's the idea. I mean, that's that's the highest heaven in in Mormon philosophy, in Joseph Smith's philosophy. Yeah. That's a crackerjack surprise, I think, for a lot of a lot of converts. They probably they don't spend it. a lot of time in the Doctrine and Covenants, you know, to your earlier point when they're investigating the church. They find out about this uh, section 132 probably later, uh, much later probably. Oh, yeah. uh, and then they read mm-hmm. through it, and I'm sure it's a surprise. It's like, what the fuck? This is in our well, existing look, scriptures? Yeah. You guys still believe this? Look at the yeah. program. You know, when a convert first joins, what where do they attend? Now, maybe all this has changed, but they attend gospel Basics. principles. Yep. Again, milk before mm-hmm. meat. I, I was saying bread before meat. What the hell is that all about? That, that was that other <laughs> version of thing. Bread and water, milk, whatever, meat, rice, water and wine, (laughs) whatever. Burritos. Uh, No, give them a burrito and shut them up. Anyway, so it's it's an attempt again to ease you into this crazy shit that inevitably you're going to find out about. Now, I had the opportunity to work with some very intelligent people on my mission who actually did take us up on our challenges and studied uh, the Mormon scriptures. We left left them every, the, the Book of Mormon said, no, I, I want a copy of the Doctrine and Covenants too. And okay. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, here you go. Oh, you want a quad? Oh, you want the whole, the whole thing? You want the whole box of Cracker Jacks? Okay. And these, these men, uh, I'm thinking of men. Uh, I don't, don't remember any women being this way. Three or four times, uh, they consumed it, and actually, you can read all of it in if you've got the time in in a fairly short period yeah. of time. And then they came back at us with questions, and we yeah, Porky Pig thing yeah. again. We didn't know what the hell to say to answer. What's this about this? And what about what about this Jaredite voyage that lasted? a year what the hell you know I'll just every every and we're like uh, uh yeah you're not supposed to read that <laughs> shit you, you fucked up the program yeah, walk man. before you run man you know consume all this milk before you eat the meat of absurdity <laughs> in uh in mormonism <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, well look we're knocking on we're at 46 minutes uh so we're gonna we're going to wrap it up, but uh, yes, the Cracker Jack surprises keep coming. Um, and what you're asked to believe as a Mormon among all this stuff is as absurd as all of it is, just remember, God reserves the right to change his mind, and he will change his mind, especially as prophets change, interestingly. And, you know, he may come out with a teaching or something that just basically says, hey, ignore history. Or, hey, we're doing it this way now. And you have to suspend your, you know, disbelief or your confusion that, uh, wait a minute, I was told back when we did this that this was the will of God, that this was complete truth, and it would never change because truth never changes. Now you're telling me truth is changing again. My logical mind wants to tell me that's bullshit. But my play along mind says, okay, I'll just keep believing. It's funny. My wife and I just saw for the first time the Book of Mormon play last night. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. No oh, way. David. No way. Oh, so funny. Um, and uh, one of the theme songs uh, uh, is I Believe, sung by the, the main right. missionary guy. And right. uh, I'm oh, that, so yeah. funny. And, and that's it, right? Mormons are just asked to believe. Doesn't matter how absurd it is or what the Cracker Jack surprise is in the box. Just believe it. Just believe it. You know, I just had this thought. The greatest Cracker Jack surprise is going to be when any one of us passes and what we find out <laughs> is really right. going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Can I go back? <laughs> Wait. It's kind of like getting on a ride at Knott's Berry Farm when you're a little uh, kid and, and it's starting to go up the hill. And you go, oh, God, no, I want to get off. That's the worst part, right? <laughs> when you get to the apex of that hill and you're like, oh, right. shit. <laughs> get me off, off this ride. And I guess a lot of people are walking out of the yeah, park. Yeah, they are, thankfully. Thankfully. Uh, yep. They're Wait trying to up. lower the price of admission. They're trying to, well, they're not. I take that back. That's not a good analogy. Tithing is still tithing. <laughs> they're yeah, they're trying to put a strip show <laughs> in the. They're trying to do things in the park to keep people in the park. Um, and uh, yeah, thankfully they're walking out. So before you know it, we'll be drinking some Kool Aid. And- oh, meeting a UFO oh. in the trail of a comet somewhere. And just that. Just as a heads up, we may be going there next week with a little taste of Kool-Aid to go with our Cracker Jacks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Peace out.